0: Welcome to the sex positive podcast. I'm your host Carrie Ann Hanosky, social worker and sex educator. Today I'm doing part two of my parent series and today I'm focusing on elementary school children. Kids have lots of questions, they need answers, but they don't always need all the details. So today I'm going to go through some ways to have a open, honest conversation about what your child already knows or thinks, or what they're trying to find out about sex and sexuality, and give you some straightforward answers as to how to address some of those questions. So once again, a trigger warning, if you are a trauma survivor and are listening to this podcast, and you need to take a break, please hit the pause button, do some deep breathing, go for a walk or move, and come back when you are ready. What should I keep in mind as a parent? If I am a parent to an elementary school child, um, they're going to have lots of questions. They're a little bit older, so they are a bit more perceptive, Um, but they have lots of questions and they need answers. And it's true. They don't need all the details. It's important to be honest and accurate and frank when you're answering kids questions about sex, but that doesn't mean that you need to overwhelm them and give them all kinds of information. With younger kids, less is better and starting with the simplest explanation possible and only give them more details if other questions show up or they seem really interested in what you're talking about. So one way to guide the conversation is to find out what does your child already know, what do they think, what have they heard and what they're really trying to find out with their questions. So what might seem like a straightforward question to adults could be very different than what your kid actually wants to know. So for example, a child may ask, why do I have a penis? It might be wondering why touching it feels good, why their body looks different from their sister, what part of the penis plays in reproduction. Again, try to figure out what they're really asking. (laughs) You can say a great you know, it's a great question. Um, and what made you think of that? Or can you tell me what you already know about that? Or what do you think the answer is? And in my other episode, I talked about having some of this conversation earlier on giving kids names to body parts. So they have the language to then ask questions. Um, Talking about sexuality with your kids isn't gonna make them have sex earlier. This is a big myth that I get asked quite often from parents. Giving your kids age-appropriate information about sexuality won't encourage unhealthy sexual development. In fact, research actually shows that kids who talk with their parents and know more stuff about this topic are likely to wait They're likely to wait until they're older. They're likely to use birth control or condoms. And eventually when they do have sex, it's going to be a much different type of interaction. And if it is from a sex positive lens, there's going to be a conversation as well about consent and body autonomy. And I think that's what we all would want for our kids to have as some of their first sexual experiences. And keep in mind, you can answer their questions honestly while still explaining that sex is something that grown-ups only do. For example, um, if they ask, you know, what the word sex means, you can say something like, sometimes when two grown-ups like each other, they want to kiss and touch each other's bodies, especially their penis or their vulva. What else do you want to know? And asking that open-ended question at the end of your explanation also helps you gauge where they're at as well. Because at this age, at elementary school age from six until about, I'd say 10, um, you're really starting to just provide information that's age appropriate and it helps them develop a healthy attitude as they grow up. At this age, they may be fascinated with their bodies or the concept of sex, but usually they just think it's weird or gross. So (laughs) keep that in mind as well. But it also makes it easier to talk with them about more complicated aspects about sexual intimacy, like consent, like safer sex, like healthy relationships as they get older, because you have now laid the foundation for this conversation that you're going to have many, many times over. So the other question I usually get is how do I even start to talk about sex with my kid? And I really just want to say the most important thing is being honest and open and available. When your kid wants to talk, answer their questions and encourage questions and learning when they're ready. It's normal for you to feel awkward. I really want to just throw that out there and say that's normal it does feel weird to have a conversation about sex with your child there is age appropriateness that goes along with that okay so during some of those talks just remember young kids don't always realize that these topics are difficult for adults And having a negative reaction or refusing to answer their question, it really sends the message that their curiosity is bad or it's not okay to come to you when they have questions. And this really will mean that they'll seek out information from other sources like friends or the internet. The research shows most boys learn about sex from pornography and that's creating a completely inaccurate, unrealistic narrative. So... Even if you feel flustered, please try to just take a breath and calm down and talk to them in a positive tone. Probably my favorite thing to say is, that's an interesting question. Maybe we can find a book about that. It's a very simple script, but it also helps you have a very calm response, especially if you rehearse that. So when you're talking to younger kids, it's really common for parents to frame sex only as something that grown-ups do when they want to have a baby. Of course, that is one big reason why people have sex. And it's good for your kids to know and understand sex is related to pregnancy. But it's also okay and even good for kids to understand that grown-ups have sex for other reasons too. That it is pleasurable, it is how we express love and intimacy, and how to feel closer to a partner. And it's important for them to know who those trusted adults are that they can come to with those questions or raise concerns related to sexuality. Because on the flip side of this, teaching appropriate boundaries also comes along with this. When it comes to talking about sex, that is very important too and letting them know that while sex and bodies are natural and not shameful it's also private this might mean not talking about this stuff with their friends houses or with their friends parents because every house has different rules different cultural beliefs religious beliefs so it may be enforcing that type of boundary that we only talk about this stuff with adults that we have identified as trusted and safe, or maybe it's just talking about these things with with mom and dad, Um, mom and mom, dad and dad. Parents might be the only individuals that we talk about sexuality with. But you can say something like, I'm really glad that you came to me with these questions. You can ask me anything. Are there other people you think you could ask this stuff if I wasn't available? Like what about your brother or your aunt or your doctor? And who are the people we do not talk about private stuff with? It's very important to have this a part of this ongoing discussion too, because they're also learning boundaries at the same time. Giving kids the right information will definitely help them understand and appreciate and respect themselves and others. They are very curious about their bodies at this age, and they're old enough to start getting to know the names of body parts and what they do. And when your kid starts elementary school, you can help them understand what's appropriate when it comes to wearing clothes, how to stay clean and healthy, how to respect people who are different from them. And as they inch closer to puberty, you can start talking with them about what changes are ahead so they don't feel scared or surprised when, for instance, they start menstruating um, or, you know, males have an erection for the first time. Those can be very scary, awkward things if they don't have some earlier conversations to know what's coming. And I really want to encourage you to think about your values when it comes to bodies, so you can reinforce those values with your kid. What rules do you have in your house about nudity and privacy? What does hygiene mean to you? What kind of body image and self-esteem do you want your child to have? And thinking through those answers to those questions, it's really important because it's getting on the same page with your co-parent or caregiver, so both of you can be more prepared. You never know what kind of questions they're going to (laughs) ask and when they're going to ask them. And being clear on your values can also help you answer through those questions very calmly and thoughtfully. And be ready to start those conversations, answer questions, and model good behavior. Because the truth is all kids are curious about their bodies, but some kids are shy and they don't know it's okay to ask about them. And that's why it's a good idea for you to spark that conversation. And it's really about finding those teachable moments like the first day of school is coming up, a question from your kid about a body part or unrealistic ideals of a cartoon or a real-life character in a movie or on TV. That might be a very good conversation starter. So also when we talk about bodies, A lot of the time I get questions around how do I help my child with their body image? Generally, I will just say elementary school kids have fewer hang-ups about how their body looks than older kids, but still, people of all ages are flooded with images of ideal body types from movies, social media, advertisements, and the people around them. And they may have questions about why they're short instead of tall, or why they have brown eyes instead of blue, or why their classmate uses uh, a wheelchair. Or instead, you may hear them talk about how they don't like the way someone else looks, or they want to change something about themselves. Again, it's a very important conversation to have and let them know that all bodies are different, and all bodies are good bodies, and that there's no such thing as normal or perfect and that can really help them if they're in middle school with a healthier mindset about their body. They'll also communicate that to their peers if you're modeling that for them as well. But here's a few ways to encourage a healthy body image with this age group. Number one thing is don't compare their looks to anyone else's, not their siblings, not their cousins, not their friends, Even if you're trying to compliment them, do not compare. Don't complain about your own looks in front of them. They are little sponges at this age. They will pick up on all sorts of things. So do not complain about how you look in front of them. You can compliment them on how they look, but don't let that be the only thing you compliment them on. This is especially important for girls. Because girls tend to get the, oh, you're so pretty, you're so colorful, you're so bright. Uh, There's much more to them than how they look. So focus on their health, their strength, their abilities, instead of attractiveness. Please remind them that a lot of the photos that we see and the videos on social media, the way that models and celebrities look, even the characters in cartoons A lot of them are heavily edited and they're not real or realistic. And please encourage them to be proud of their ethnicity, their racial identity, their gender identity, and what their body is capable of. And really look for opportunities to celebrate their community with them. Kids notice how adults act around them when it comes to talking about bodies or sexuality And if they get a strong reaction that saying a certain word, even if they don't know what that word means, or when adults refuse to answer their questions about sex, it really does send a message that those things are bad to talk about, especially with you or other trusted adults. They may turn to their friends for answers who aren't going to be able to answer their questions as well as you can. So letting them know that they can always ask you anything and that they will not get into trouble. So that you know they're getting the right information. So at this age, I would say around five, six, it's really important that kids know the right names and functions for all of their body parts, and that does include their genitals. And you need to use real word, <laughs> real words, not the code words um, like vulva or vagina or penis, um, anus, like give them the language to use. Instead of using those code words like private parts or cutesy words like wee-wee or hoo-ha, it sends a message that there's nothing wrong if you give them the actual words, just like an arm or an elbow or a leg. And if you're not sure what those right names are, you really need to brush on your (laughs) anatomy and figure out what is each body part for. And I just want to say again, like, you don't have to go this alone. You can give your kid age-appropriate books so they can explore this on their own. You can let them know that you're available and they can come to you with questions. I will put some resources today in terms of some very good books for this age group from 6 until 10, 11. Um, Just be prepared to answer questions about why some people have a vulva and others have a penis, why their mommy or daddy has hair or why some don't, or why, you know, when will, you know, breasts and penises start to grow. I mean, puberty doesn't start until the end of elementary school at the earliest, but it is a good idea to start talking about some of the basics with your kid and early on. And that way they're gonna be more prepared when things start changing and they won't feel scared or confused. Because elementary school, it's a really good age to talk about and model healthy habits and attitudes, talking with them about why it's important to eat well and be active and keep good hygiene, like brushing your teeth or taking baths. It may be helpful to try different strategies, like brushing your teeth alongside them or asking them to help you when you cook. But no matter what, it's being consistent in your expectations And rules about staying healthy and clean so they know how to take care of their bodies as they get older. So, how do I talk to my child about body privacy? It's a really important thing. Again, we're circling back to values within families. Different families have different values, especially when it comes to nudity or privacy. So, helping your kid understand that they need to respect other people. So, when guests come over or when they're in public, They need to wear clothes. Let them know that they need to also respect that other people's houses have different rules. When you ask your kid to put clothes on, try not to make their body sound like it's something to be ashamed of. Instead, just be clear about the rules and say something like, your cousins are coming over and when people come over, we have to put clothes on. It's making sure that they know that their body is theirs. It's no one else's. It's never okay for someone to pressure them to show their body if they don't want to. And the only people who get to tell them what to do with their body for health and safety reasons are you and other caregivers that you name as their parent. It can be at the doctor's office and you are going to be with them at the doctor's office. Again, this is another conversation about boundaries and personal safety. So another very common question I get is, what do I do if my child is masturbating or pleasuring themselves?" Again, it's super common for kids of all ages to touch their genitals. Most children figure out at a very early age that their genitals are sensitive and touching them feels good, but they don't connect it with sex in the way that a parent or an adult might perceive it to be. So how a parent reacts to that and seeing their child touching themselves can send a very strong message that may inevitably last a lifetime. So getting angry, slapping their hands away, acting disgusted, all those things cause shame and guilt to your child and that can impact them as they grow and it may definitely shape how they view sexuality and their bodies as they get older and how they pick a partner. So it's very common to feel a little uncomfortable when you see your child masturbating, but please you know, try to stay calm, take a deep breath. And I just want to tell you again, it's perfectly normal and it is a healthy behavior. And while it's important not to shame them for touching their genitals, again, this is where we have a conversation about boundaries, healthy boundaries for themselves and others. So say things like, you know, it's something that is private. It's not appropriate to do that in front of other people. I would say something like, you know, I understand that feels good and lots of people do it, but that's just for you and you should only do that in private places like your bedroom or the bathroom. Um, The other question I get quite often is, what do I do if they walk in on me having sex? (laughs) Well, try not to freak out. It's natural for you to be embarrassed, but ultimately, it's not harmful or damaging for your child to know that grown-ups have sex. The best way is to stay calm, be very matter-of-fact, and talk with them about it a little bit later. In the moment, you can say something like, We're having private time. Please close the door. Go play in your room. It's okay if you did happen to yell in the moment, but please just apologize later and explain. You were just startled or surprised so your kid doesn't think they did something horribly wrong. And when you do talk later, because it's very important you don't just avoid this conversation. What they have seen, they have seen, and you do have to come back to it. Start by asking them that specifically. What did they see? If they have any questions... Younger kids might be worried more so if that um, maybe you're hurting each other or fighting, especially if there are sounds. <laughs> so, again, please reassure them that you're all okay and they may be curious with lots of questions, which is completely normal. A good basic message is that sex is a private thing and grown ups do that with each other to feel good and express their love. You can explain this kind of expression as a different kind of love in a way that parents and kids show affection. You can also talk about privacy and how they need to knock before coming into other people's rooms. How your child processes that event will ultimately depend on how old they are, how you react, and whether you've already had some age-appropriate conversations about sex with them. So try to think this as just another opportunity to normalize sexuality and be positive and show that you're willing to answer their questions. And again, I do just want to highlight that that you're going to plan to have lots of small, casual conversations and rely on teachable moments. Don't worry if you haven't started talking with your children about sexuality yet, it's never too late. Just don't try to catch up all at once because <laughs> i think that that can be just really overwhelming and historically i think it was called the big talk um, and there there is this dread that went along with that um, so expect to have one conversation no expect you're going to have a lot of conversations because you can't cover everything in one conversation at once because they're at a different age each time you have that conversation and they're continually learning as well. So talking with children about sexuality works best if it is a lifelong conversation and you're going to prepare to have those many conversations during childhood and give a little bit more information as they grow and doing a little bit at a time also makes it less overwhelming for both you and your kid. And please, parents, don't stress too much about finding the perfect time to talk. Everyday life will give you lots of teachable moments and opportunities for talking about sexuality. That could be questions about their genitals during bath time. That could be running into a pregnant neighbor or seeing people talk about sex on TV They may hear stuff, you know, at school or just out in the world that makes them want to ask questions. And those are teachable moments, and they do pop up all the time. So it will help make your conversations a little bit easier and more natural rather than, hey, (laughs) son or daughter, we have to talk. Don't go that route. I highly recommend many small casual conversations over time. And just a brief intermission. Take a break, come back when you're ready. So, another important area is identity and gender identity, especially in the early school years kids are definitely interacting with other kids more often. They start to think a lot more about different family structures, but they also become much more aware and understand their gender identity during elementary school. And it's often where we see transgender and gender nonconforming identities become much more clear. So in this section, I'm gonna go through how to talk to your child about identity family and gender. So a few things to keep in mind. Kids get a lot of messages about gender from the world around them. We know that kids are little sponges and they absorb what's around them. One thing growing brains figure out in the early part of elementary school is messages about, you know, gender and what does that mean So what does it mean being a boy or a girl? And what does that mean to them? Some kids feel strongly about sticking to strict gender roles, like saying things like blue is only for boys or dolls are only for girls. Other kids might be inclined to play or defy those gender stereotypes. But it's a really important conversation to have about gender identity and let them know that that is a social construct and it exists on a continuum. So just like giving them words for their body parts, it's also giving them words for gender identity, including transgender, gender nonconforming identities because these are cemented in early elementary school. Not everyone who defies gender roles is transgender. I think that's really important to know. The example I'll give you is lots of girls hate dresses. (laughs) I hated dresses growing up myself. So please know that does not mean that you are identifying as transgender. But your kid figures out what their gender is very early on. And usually they're going to tell this to you. So in preschool and early elementary, trans kids are really starting to realize that they're not the gender that everyone said they were when they were born. And they may want to be treated like a different gender. Gender identity solidifies in early elementary school. So how do I know if my child is transgender or gender non-conforming? This is a question I get quite often. And transgender just means you identify with a gender from the one that you were assigned at birth. Gender non-conforming means your gender identity or expression doesn't go along with traditional ideas of just being male or female. And it could mean you identify with words like non-binary, genderqueer. There are a lot of descriptive words that I will not get into here, but it's finding what are your words, which is another great book that I would recommend that I will put in the bottom of this caption. Some people use words like gender expansive or gender creative for children. And I think those are very good words because you're still finding out what their words are. Um, These tend to be for more non-binary gender expressions. But while we don't know for sure how many people are transgender, the recent research says it's about 12% of the population. That's a lot of people. So when does that start? For some kids understanding their gender identity and coming out as transgender or gender non-conforming may take years or it doesn't happen until they're a teen or an adult or they have a safe space that they can genuinely be themselves and often it's because they get messages during their childhood that make them feel ashamed and scared to be who they really are. But for other kids it's as clear as you know they're two or three years old that they're not the gender that everybody says that they are. So they may say things like, mom and dad, I'm a girl, not a boy, or I'm not a girl or a boy. <laughs> um, they may act upset when someone says that they're the gender that they were assigned at birth. They may only wanna wear one gender's clothing or wear their hair like another gender, or play teams, or play with other children of only the other gender. But how do you really know? That's always the question I get. How do you really know or they're just pushing back against gender stereotypes? And what I will say is this. It's consistent. So they don't go back and forth about their gender. They clearly identify with one particular gender identity. They're insistent. They feel very strongly about their gender identity and they get very upset when they're misgendered and they're persistent. How they identify, it really holds over time. So, the best thing you can do if you're starting to get the idea that your kid may be trans or gender nonconforming is to support them while they follow their instincts and allow them to show you who they are, and that you love them no matter what. And I really could do a whole episode on how to create a safe space for your transgender or gender non-conforming child, but I will just say a few points in making that safe space that it means zero tolerance for homophobic or transphobic bullying, harassment, or violence that safe space is where they can be themselves without fear. So it's a place where the people around them, especially the people in charge, agree that negative behavior and attitudes towards LGBTQ people is unacceptable. So your home needs to be a safe space for your child to grow. Explore their interests, their play, work, hopes, dreams, no matter what their gender identity is. And you can make your home safer by doing a few key things. The first thing is listening. Listening to your kid and asking them what they need from you to feel most happy. So let them wear the clothes they want to wear. Let them style their hair however. Like gender expression is an important part of this stage of development. The other thing is Please look for signs of depression or anxiety and connect them to supports like a therapist or a counselor if you think they're struggling. They could be bullying, you know, they could be bullied at school and you don't even know. Please make it known that any homophobic or transphobic language, including jokes, is not acceptable in your home. Let them know that There are books and shows and movies with LGBTQ characters. And bottom line, be clear with your family and other people close to your kid that these are your rules. If you need support from a professional therapist like me, if that becomes an obstacle, um, that's another way for you to also get some additional support. And while it is becoming more and more widely known and accepted, that transgender and non-conforming kids exist. Some schools are responding with some of the measures to keep them safe and respected, but all too often they are the targets of bullying and harassment. So school can be tough and doing well in school can be tough. So you need to be your kid's biggest advocate and taking steps to help make their school a safer place. If you have to talk with your your child about their experience at school regularly and address those bullying concerns with school administrators or teachers, please do so. I'm also going to put some resources in terms of making school safe for LGBTQ kids and how to make the school more welcoming. And as a parent, You may not be sure what to say or how to address if your child says, I think I'm a different gender than the one I was born. They're not going to say that (laughs) as eloquently. They may just say like, I feel more like a boy or a girl, or I don't really have a gender, or I think I'm both. I will go through more resources to help you have that conversation as well and what to do next, but no matter what, your kids' gender identity is, you can support them in making their own choices. So allow and encourage them to follow their interests and different hobbies and activities. You can use things like books and movies and TV to point to role models and representation that defies gender stereotypes. That's the queer community. LGBTQ people, female athletes or mechanics, male dancers or nurses, it's giving them representation. And if you're really not sure what the difference between gender and sex is, I will post a little bit more on that, but essentially it's a social construct and we can present in all sorts of ways in the world. It's also really important the language that we use. So phrases like be a man or act like a lady. Instead, use the words you really mean. Use the descriptive word like brave or polite or kind or strong. Because language has a lot to do with how these gender stereotypes are reinforced. And we really see that in TV and media and magazines and books, even toys. So really consider your values when it comes to princess or hero stories and what kind of messages you want to send to your child from those types of media. Talk with your kid about what they think gender stereotypes are because it can come out in a lot of teachable moments like (laughs) boys will be boys. Um, So being careful of those types of double standards because there are a lot of good teachable moments where if your kid has a sibling of another gender, it's really important to give the same rules and hold them to the same expectations. So don't expect your male children to be better at math and science than your female children, and don't tolerate, you know, rough housing and wrestling with your sons if you don't tolerate it with your daughters. If you expect politeness or sweetness or helpfulness from your daughters, then expect that from your sons as well and again it's normal for kids to repeat things that they hear without understanding the meaning so correct them if you hear something like you know Chris runs like a girl or Janelle has a boy haircut it's really important that you give them the appropriate language because they're still learning Running like a girl can be a compliment because girls run really fast. And besides, it's not nice to make fun of how someone runs. And it could be also saying there's no such thing as a boy haircut or a girl haircut. You can do whatever you want with your hair. So in addition to talking about gender identity, we also need to talk about gender roles and gender stereotypes with kids at this age. So by the time most kids start elementary school, they've gotten a lot of messages about what it's to be a boy or a girl, and you can help your kid understand that they don't have to follow gender roles as if they were rules that shouldn't be broken. Boys and girls should feel free to explore whatever sparks their interest, even if it seems to go against gender roles. So I'm going to go through a few things that can help you fight some harmful stereotypes in helping your kid follow their own interests. So the first thing I will just say is please avoid pushing your kid into gender stereotypes. Allow them the freedom to choose their toys, their interests, their hobbies, their clothes, even if they don't seem to go along with their gender. Avoid extremely gendered, colored rooms, themes, toys, clothes. Your kid may be into stuff for a while, and that's normal, and it's okay for you to let them explore that. But you can help them in the long run by not pushing gendered stuff on them. And a big one with this I tend to get as a question is, my son wants to wear a dress. Let him wear the dress that is a very important thing for him to explore you're not the one that gets to decide how long he will wear it and how long it is a fit so please allow them that space and freedom to choose the next thing i will highlight is please don't assume your kid will grow up to be straight (laughs) cis heteronormative values It is very important to let go of that ideal that we are all going to be you know straight and that's how we present in the world it's not fair talking to your kid about growing up and having boyfriends or marrying a man sends the message that girls are supposed to like boys and boys are supposed to like girls and that anything else is wrong or not normal And while kids this young don't know their sexual orientation just yet, assuming that they're straight could make them scared to come to you or feel bad about themselves later. And that can lead to a whole host of mental health issues, unhealthy relationships, and taking more health risks as they become teenagers. So another aspect of breaking gender stereotypes is talking with your family and the other people close to you about your kid and your values when it comes to gender and respecting your kid for who they are. So for example, if, you know, grandpa wants to take your only boy to a sports game, ask him to take your girls along too. It could also be the example of purchasing toys, maybe your daughter gets princesses for her birthday it's letting family know that actually she prefers dinosaurs and trucks and that's what she's into right now so let the family know what your kid is really into and that you support her another point I will make is letting girls and boys express all of their emotions so this is a big gender stereotype and It's a very important one to have this conversation, not only with your co-parent, but it can be one of the most important things you do to let your child grow up to be emotionally healthy is to help them express their emotions. And this includes letting boys cry. On the flip side, it's, it's letting girls be angry, just as you would a boy It can help them understand that they can learn to stand up for themselves, helping them use their words to explain how they feel and why, and being supportive with whatever feeling shows up. Because the truth is, we all have the right to feel all of our emotions, whether others agree or not. It's sending the message to your kid, my feelings are not up for debate. The other thing that kids at this age start to notice is that there are families that are different from theirs. As your kid becomes part of their school community, they'll also probably come across different family structures that are different from yours that could be different cultural traditions, religions, values, different families with different structures like some kids may have you know, one parent instead of two, they could be raised by grandparents, they could be in foster care, they could have two moms or two dads, and there are many other types of families. And it's important for kids to understand that not all families look the same. You can use your values about families and respect to guide talking with your kid about how some families are different from yours and that all families deserve respect. So, you can say things like, even though that family looks different from ours, they're really not that different. They love each other just like we love each other. And that's a nice segue to one of my favorite books, which is Love Makes a Family. I will put that as one of the books I do recommend. So, at this age, the knowledge and respect that you foster when you have these conversations, will also help them create safer, more inclusive community for everyone. And it's a big deal for kids who may eventually realize that they're queer or that they have different family structures than, you know, others do down the line. But it's important for your kids to know that if they have questions, whenever they see something new, that they can come to you. You may not feel know certain how to answer these questions about families with LGBTQ parents. There are some questions and some tips I will give you um, as well about how to answer that a little bit more effectively. Like, why does my friend's mom have, you know, two moms or two dads? The answer is that their parents are lesbian or gay. Do you know what that means? Right? Your child may have heard about LGBTQ identities from other kids, from movies, from older siblings. But again, we circle back to find out what they know because it'll help them understand what it really means. And don't be afraid to use words that describe sexual orientation, like gay or lesbian or bisexual, if that's what the person you're talking about uses. Another question I tend to get to is, how do two girls or two boys make a baby? So an answer to that is, There are lots of ways to become a parent. Some people get help from someone else to have a baby. Others adopt babies. And let's read more about how babies are made, right? If you and your kids already have had a great conversation, you know, before this initial question, that's great. But if you've said something like, a penis needs to go in a vagina to make a baby, you're leaving out how gay couples or couples who deal with infertility get pregnant. So the book I'll recommend there is What Makes a Baby by Corey Silverberg. That's a great book to start talking about where babies come from, and that's inclusive for all families. And I will just say, it's not polite to ask a gay parent that you don't know well about how they became parents. For some people, these details are very personal And that is none of your business. The other area for elementary school kids is teaching them about healthy friendships, respect for boundaries, and how to talk about their feelings. So please keep in mind that elementary school kids are capable of imagining what it's like to walk in another person's shoes. They do have empathy, but they need to be guided through that. And it's a very common time for trying out new friend groups and learning how to maintain good friendships and relationships with their peers but as a parent you can help them grow with how to be respectful and confident and a person who has healthy and satisfying relationships so we're back to values considering what friendship means to you and what values you want to pass on to your kid what kind of friend do you want your kid to be? And what kind of partner do you want them to be when they're old enough for romantic relationships? What kind of healthy relationship of any kind, what does that mean to you? So naming some of those things that you look for in relationships of all kinds, like trust, loyalty, kindness, shared interests, supporting each other through tough times, those are all things to highlight to your child. It's also being a good role model with your significant other, your co-parent, your family members, your friends. That makes a big difference too because your attitude and actions towards family, friends, neighbors, and strangers is a big influence. So model those values and dealing with those bumps in relationships with others can also be a teachable moment to talk about with your kid. And if you see they're having a disagreement, you can help them learn from it by talking through what's going on with them, asking them how they would deal with problems, disagreements or hurt feelings in relationships with family and friends. It's a time where they're really learning how to have healthy friendships early in life and that will set them up to have some of the most meaningful and rewarding experiences that life has to offer So talking about what does it mean to be a good friend? How do you support your friends? How do you know you can trust your friends? And being a good role model to be the best kind of friend you know how to be. So ask questions. Stay involved in your kid's social life. That doesn't mean never giving your kids space to hang out with their friends without you in the room. But it does mean asking questions like, did you have fun at your friend's house? What is it about them that makes them your friend? Staying involved also means that you're getting to know your kid's friends and friend's parents so you know what kinds of influences your child is also getting. It also helps you be sure that they're safe when your kid is in their company. So letting them know that you can always talk to you about their friends and come to you with any problems Giving them advice about being a good friend, really recognizing when someone isn't being a good friend and how to communicate their, their feelings are very important skills at this age. Make sure that they know that their friends are supposed to be kind, that they make us feel good about ourselves, that they don't pressure us to do stuff we don't want to do and that they respect us and we respect them. And on the flip side of that I will just say not every conflict means a call to your friend's kid's parent. (laughs) Helping your kids solve their own problems is also good for their self-esteem and it builds stronger social skills and that's definitely also age appropriate but we don't need to be helicopter parents for our child's relationships. So part of respecting boundaries and teaching consent with your child, again, many parents think consent is a conversation that revolves around sex and that you don't need to talk about this because my kid's in elementary school. But in reality, building empathy and respecting boundaries, those are the building blocks for understanding and practicing consent later in life. Building empathy at this age, it's about understanding that other people have their own feelings, and they get to make their own decisions. And you can help build empathy in your kid by making sure they ask permission. When they take something or use something, if they're giving a hug, if they're refusing a hug, it's understanding that the impact their actions have on the other person. So taking a toy from another kid without asking can hurt them, and their actions affect other people. So it's important to think about how other people feel when they say or do something. And learning to respect boundaries at this age really does mean understanding that when someone says no to something, it means no. Your kid needs to listen and stop. And that can play out in a number of scenarios. Whether it's their sibling that doesn't want to play the same game, or their friend doesn't want to share a toy, or someone on the playground doesn't like it when other people touch their hair. Make sure you have rules about what no means. That you can say things like, you should never touch someone if they tell you not to. And make sure that goes both ways, because when your kid says no, they deserve their answer to be heard and respected as well. If your kid feels uncomfortable hugging or kissing someone, especially family, they shouldn't have to. If you have a friend or family member who repeatedly doesn't listen, please tell them that when they say no, they should come to you. And if family members are upset about that, that your kid won't hug them, take your kid aside And you can say things like, guess what? We're doing high fives today. Try to pull the adult aside later and explain there's a mission here. (laughs) You're trying to get your kid to speak out about their boundaries and what it is to feel respected when they do. And that's important because that's your kid's self-confidence and building body autonomy. It is extremely important for their own safety And knowing they can come to you to keep them safe. And that you'll never be mad at them for telling you they don't feel safe or uncomfortable. This can protect your kids from being abused. So please tell them clearly, if anyone ever touches you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable, touches your penis or your vulva or your anus or your nipples... Those are off-limits. You need to tell me or another adult you trust. So the last piece I'm going to go through is peer pressure because with this age group, definitely tends to be something that most parents come to me with. How do I talk to my kids about peer pressure? How do they teach them to make good decisions? The teacher can't be there all the time. So one of the best defenses against negative peer pressure is to have healthy self-esteem and not only self-esteem but I would actually also call it self-compassion because it's promoted by things like praising effort and hard work. It's helping your kids do things on their own instead of always doing things for them. It builds a sense of independence but also you being a source of unconditional love. Whether they win or lose, that's not the point. You love them regardless. Because beyond helping them build that healthy self-esteem and self-compassion and self-worth, you can also help them make good decisions based on your value systems by talking with them. Role-play scenarios and help them identify dangerous, high-risk situations like being offered cigarettes or drugs or pills, alcohol, stealing, cutting school and skipping, um, self-harming, teach them to come to you or another adult. If you trust, something feels wrong. If it feels like someone's pressuring them or coercing them to do something they're uncomfortable with. And a few examples I'll give you are things like if You say no to something and the other person keeps asking you to do it, come to me or another adult and we'll talk about it. Rehearsing that script can go a very long way as a parent, but letting them know that and having them repeat it back to you. You can also let your kid use you as an excuse to get out of something so saying to your kid, you know, if something doesn't feel right, you can tell your friend you need to go home or that you're going to be in big trouble. Um, I really like code phrases as well for kids. So if they call you and they don't want to, you know, say anything in front of, who, you know, the situation, they feel uncomfortable. A phrase like, hey, mom, you know, can you buy me some more peanut butter cups? <laughs> And that's code for, come get me wherever I am, I need to go home. So it doesn't let the other person know either that something is going on. But have your child practice these phrases out loud so they really get used to asserting themselves verbally. Because this is healthy communication. It's about respect and honesty, listening and talking about your feelings and what you want. And it's helping your kid develop these skills at a very young age. So this could be rules like setting expectations and limits around physical violence, name calling, teasing, that these actions are never acceptable at home or at school. It can be things like encouraging kids to take turns when talking and listening and being clear that listening is different than waiting for your turn to talk. It's the language you're giving them. It's helping them see the impact of their words and sometimes saying things that make other people cry or run away or excluding other people, ignoring other kids and not including them in play. Sometimes kids don't know that they're doing something wrong. So they do need us as parents and they need that gentle guidance on your part to make a difference. Because with language, reminding your kid to use their words is very important. Asking them to say when they're feeling negative emotions instead of acting them out. That way people can know how to help them better and they don't unnecessarily hurt anyone else in the process. Part of this is teaching them things like I statements to describe their feelings So when it comes to standing up for themselves, encouraging them to take ownership of their feelings rather than blaming or accusing the other person that they're upset with. So I feel sad when so-and-so teases me works much better than you're making me feel da-da-da-da-da sad. And let them know, bottom line, they can always come to you for support and advice. Most kids, especially little ones, naturally turn to their parents for love and comfort when something upsets them. So keep encouraging them to have those ongoing conversations about sex, about gender, about families, about their identity as people in the world. Because even when they're worried or they, they feel like, you know, I can't go to mom and dad, if you have these conversations early, they will keep coming to you. Even if it's something that they, you know, think I'm going to get in trouble or you won't understand, they will still come to you. And if they come to you for help about something that upsets you, please do your best to stay calm so they keep feeling safe. And remember that every problem you can figure out together. Everything is, as I call it, figure outable and let's solve it together. Thanks for joining me today on the Sex Positive Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider donating to my Patreon account. The information is in the episode details, as well as all the book recommendations for this episode. And this has also been brought to you by Life Mend Psychotherapy, Mending Lives Through Healing and Empowerment.